So uh, I guess we're we're here on uh, you know episode three. We're gonna try out some uh, we're gonna try out some new intros because yes, we're, we're working on intros. Go ahead. You had you had an idea. Oh, uh, this is your captain speaking, Jeff Galino and Jeff Beck. Am I the co-pilot? Maybe. Can I be the stewardess? <laughs> you do look like a stewardess. Okay, so I'm your stewardess, Jeff Beck. And I'm here. You want peanuts? <laughs> you want peanuts? Or <laughs> popcorn? Boy, that, that was good. I think it went really smooth this time, man. That was really nice. Do you want to do it again? Yeah. Okay, let's hit it again. Go ahead. <laughs> Welcome to 6 a.m. Wearwaves. <laughs> this is your captain speaking, Jeff Galino. And I'm Jeff Beck, your stewardess. You want peanuts with that? <laughs> Did you say penis? <laughs> Penis okay, so so that was a good intro, but listen, I've got a funny story because we're speaking of penis, right? Yeah. We were just talking, guys, about uh, about salespeople uh, who would try to be your friend, and then and then they throw the like the sales pitch into you, and this has nothing to do with today's episode. But I got to be honest with you, it reminded me of a terrific story. Do you want to hear the story of the greatest salesman I ever met? Yes, in my entire life, absolutely. Okay, terrific. Here it goes. So the story is like this: I lived uh, in East Petersburg, outside of Lancaster for a number of years and in my neighborhood it was it was a townhome development and we were plagued by door-to-door salespeople whether it was carpet cleaning or or you know food or what you name it right and we had a special thing called junkie pies which were people who were on the mend from you know uh drug addiction and they baked pies and they would go around and they were they were connected awesome to us. yeah junkie pies yeah junkie pies because <laughs> you knew that you know that these people were like you know they're trying whatever yeah. but you know they're still like they're still yeah. They're high as a kite, man. Yeah. They're trying to sell you a pie, and I'm like, I'm not eating that pie. At all. No, thank but, you. But the greatest, the greatest sales person I ever met was was, uh, and I can't, I, I for the life of me, I can't remember his name, but he sold steaks out of a truck, and uh, and he was from he was from New Jersey. And he was across the street and he was, I could totally, and he, he was wearing a wife beater and he had like gold chains on and jeans and he was like sweating. Joey Bag of Donuts, Yeah, huh? he, was, he was Joey Bag of Donuts. Hey, you want a piece of meat? Yeah, you want a piece of meat. Well, the, see, okay, this is where this is going. So at the time, my wife and I were destitute. I mean, we were, you know, barely making it, you know, as it was. And, and like, I couldn't afford to, to buy steak off of a truck. I couldn't afford to buy steak, period. So anyway, he makes it his way to my, my door and I'm already sitting outside waiting for him. I know he's coming. And, uh, and he, you know, he puts on the sale and he gives me the catalog and I'm looking through and I was like, Hey man, look, this looks awesome, but I just, I really can't afford it right now. Like I can't afford to buy it. So I'm sorry. You know, and I try and give him credit cause he was really like, he was really hammering home on this. Right. And he's like, well, is your wife home? And I'm like, she is home, but she's going to tell you the same thing I just told you. And that is, <laughs> and, and she won't be as polite about it. Right. And he's starting to get like, he's starting to sweat, right? Like he's like dancing around. Super meat energetic. Sweats. Yeah. He's got the meat sweats. Right. Mm. And the big thing was, is that, uh, he, he finally like breaks down and he like practically shouts this in my face and, and like on a nice summer day in front of my na- entire neighborhood, he goes, what do I got to do to put my meat in your mouth? That's what he says. <laughs> Sold. I was like, well, <laughs> now that you put it like that. <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, let me give you my, my most favorite sales pitch ever. And this is recent. Okay. So I'm out in Chicago and there's probably some people who are listening to this that will remember this happening. So correct me if I'm wrong, folks. But we're walking as a group, probably 15, 20 people to dinner 
And a homeless guy comes up to me. He says, those are nice shoes, man. I said, thanks. Oh, I'll tell you what you need to do with those shoes. And he gets real close and he comes down, gets on his knee and he goes, right about here, you make sure that you take care of the toe. And he squirts stuff on him. <laughs> so here I am, I've got fresh schmutz on my shoe. And now I gotta let him. You gotta right? let so him. He, I've gotta let him buff out the shoe and he's polished, polishing this thing and everybody's watching. And he's, he's going to work. He works on the second shoe. And he goes, awesome, that'll be $10 a shoe. <laughs> I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. And I was like, I didn't have any cash on me. And so, um, you know, one of my friends gave me a $10 bill. And I said, this is all I have. So he goes, oh, yeah, that's fine, that's fine. Turns around to the guy right behind me who's currently texting on his phone He's with our group. Just saw everything that happened. And he goes, hey, nice shoes. And the guy goes, hey, thanks. And he goes, right about there, you got to be careful. And get them. Get them. Boom. So the moral of the story is it's, uh, I guess it's better to ask for forgiveness than permission, isn't it? <laughs> and that's your tip for today. That's your tip for today from your captain. <laughs> the 6 a.m. podcast. Welcome, guys, to episode three. I just—I don't know why we got uh, stuck on that. It was just something we were talking about. Oh, but awesome. uh, but today's episode is about the the long haul, guys. It's about um, we want to talk about patience and we want to talk about uh, perseverance. And uh, and I think in the in the both of the macro, right, the overall and the micro, um, where these things relate to you guys in life, but in your personal journeys. It's going to be contingent upon what you guys are doing or what you're what you're after. But one way that we relate this, I think, more, most specifically uh, in terms of Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, uh, Mr. Galino, how long, what's the average time? And just for those of you that aren't Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu practitioners, um, it's, uh, you know, we have, we have a very, we have a belt ranking system, but there aren't a lot of belts in there mm-hmm. as compared to maybe some other martial arts. What's the average time to get your Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu black belt if you are a casual learner yeah i'd say i would say a casual learner you know 10 to 15 years 10 to 15 years that's a long long time long road to be committed i i would i would uh i would venture to say that most marriages break up before (laughs) that time statistics prove statistic yeah statistically you're more likely to uh you know get divorced in that same time period than you are to get your black belt in brazilian jiu-jitsu which is an interesting thought you know as you're talking about this no wonder there is an attendance and then a falling away and then a reattendance. And, you know, because there's a lot of stages in life that can happen during that amount of time. Yeah, there is. There's a lot of circumstances or a lot of things. Well, that, assuming you start later in life. Sure. I mean, we could, yeah, you could go there. I mean, we're going to actually, I think we, I really want to talk about that too, about the, the person that starts in their 40s or their 50s um, or maybe even in their 60s, that it's, it's important to note those people are just as valid and just as likely to get their black belts as anybody else. Yeah, you know, um, I'm a little bit jealous of the of the kid that starts at the age of you know, uh, you know, whatever six or or oh four, and you know, you know, my kids train in Brazilian Jiu Jitsu and they started when they were four, and you know, if they keep to it, you know, they'll have their black belts, you know, in their twenties. And we have a fine young gentleman that's been training lately, uh, Nick. Yeah. Who, yeah. Shout out to Nick. Shout out to Nick. You know, it's really fun having him in there, and uh, you can tell he's kind of, he's turning into, 
a fine young jujitsu practitioner. Yeah, I think he should probably get his black belt now. Yeah, can you guys just so, consider that uh, yeah. leadership? Yeah, leadership. Uh, right. Want to put a uh, Nick needs his black belt. A proposal on the table. Yeah, I just I'm tired <laughs> of getting my ass kicked by him. It would be great if we could just give him his black belt. <laughs> so so that I save face. It's about me. But he's a great he's a great example of somebody who started early and uh, will progress very rapidly. So he might buck that system. He might be, um, you know, a tenure yeah. black belt. Maybe. I would think, yeah. I mean, so, I mean, why do you think it takes so long to get your, your black belt in, in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, specifically this? We'll tie this into other things, too, but why do you think it takes so long? Well, I think specifically this is that there is a, uh, a cross a crossroad of sorts that needs to happen between what your body learns to do and what your mind learns to do. And you're training both of them at the same time. Right. And, um, you know, I think at certain times you got, you might've felt this in your journey where your mind was progressing faster than your body or vice versa. And I just think that the amount of knowledge that it takes to bring those two up at the same time it's, it's just that, I mean, there are prodigies out there that, you know, we can cite sure. that sure. we're able to do it quicker. Um, you know, there's one that I would highlight uh, that joined our gym that had a, a history of, um, you know, gymnastics and skateboarding and different things yeah. where he was able to understand his body movements better. So I think he progressed outside the gym, you know, physically. And so now he's able to match that up mentally. So I, you know, you see people progress at different sure, rates. Sure, sure. But there, are the but exception. I think it's that cross section. Yeah, it is. So it, and it, and I guess it's a personal journey. But this is so the average is about that ten year period, um, and uh, you're. I would I would also argue that there's probably there's the the question that comes to mind, and I think in this in in context of this podcast and and where I kind of wanted to go with our conversation today is is, you know, if you're worried about how long it takes, I mean, what's your hurry? You right. Know, what is your hurry? Um, I find that you're, you're going to be either, if you're going to start on something and you're going to work at it and it's something that you do, you just do it because it's what you do. Ultimately, you will achieve what you want, right? But, I mean, it's the process of doing. We've talked about this in the, in the podcast before. Um, it, it, talking about enjoying that, enjoying that process throughout. It doesn't really matter what belt I have around my waist. I like having the 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 measurement of progress, right? The, yeah. the um, what, the symbol of progress, sure. right? Um, and in some and in some respects, it also responsibility is is accrued with that too, and provide you know given to you and um, as a result of it. But ultimately, you would still I would still probably be doing it anyway, whether I was belted or not, right? right? But, um, and so let's, let's talk a little bit about, uh, you know, uh, about that. Why, why do you think, why do you think we're so impatient? I mean, because I think a lot of times this is what happens is you get to a point in your, and if we're using jujitsu as an example, but we can also put this in context to just about anything. Sure. Um, and I don't think, I don't think, you know, for those that have stuck around for a long time in, in this, you don't really realize how long you've been doing it. You take a note of it, you take account of it, and you think, "Wow, man, I've really been—I have been doing this for a long time." But like a lot of other things, um, you know, I don't think it's typical. I think what is typical is that people try things out for a while, and then it starts to either get hard or boring, or you know, and you quit. 
Do you just stop? Like right at the point where you're about to, because you never know the next day yeah. might be the day that you are like everything clicks and you're on right. fire, but you quit, you know, and why is, and, 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 and I think for a lot of other people, it's, it's a, it's a matter of patience. They're just like, I just can't sit around this long waiting to make progress. I'm going to, I'm going to move on. I would contend that sometimes patience it, you know, it takes just as long to learn the patience as it does the moves, you know, or to whatever you're trying to achieve in life. So I had a funny thing that happened this weekend uh, in terms of patience. I think it's, you know, great timing, but I was baking with my daughter. Okay. And, uh, you know, I, there's probably a part in her life where she's going to realize that there's parts of baking that are going to take patience because you need to clean up the mess if you make a mess. You know, if you get sure. too fast, you start slinging batter everywhere, or you want to rush into doing something that looks fun, which is maybe icing the cake, and um, you don't take your time to do it right or to set everything up. Then there's, you know, the cleanup's terrible, the product comes out just not looking quite the way you want it. Yeah. You know, and so I think patience is sometimes learned over failures. You know, when you realize, man, you know, I really should have taken a little more time on this or slowed down with that. Yeah. And um, I, I think that's what we're going to try to ferret out here today is, you know, when we have patience, is that is that something that we just automatically had? You know, we look 10, 10 years down the road and we just somehow got it. Fuck or no. was it, right? Or was <laughs> no. it, you know, we yeah. kept pushing and pushing and realizing like, oh, yeah, that's right you know, we're skipping a step here. Mm -hmm. We have to patiently wait for that step and come back and readdress this situation and drill it out, you know, get all our tools ready, lay them out before we start working on the truck instead of looking for something in the toolbox sure. while somebody's holding the axle up. Right. <laughs> so I think you get yourself in enough bad situations, you learn that, you know, the patience is something that's going to have to be added to your game. Right. And I think it's, uh, I, I would, I would agree with that. It's, it's an interesting, that is an interesting, uh, interesting thought too. The, not least of which is the, is the connection between, um, what you're doing and your, your own, uh, preparation for whatever endeavor and also how that affects others, right? Sure. How your, 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 your patience and your progress is directly, it can directly influence others. And how they, you, know, you don't want to leave someone holding the axle. Why are you going to look for the... <laughs> well, you got them to help you to begin with. Exactly. Nobody, you know, listen, nobody wants to come over and help you, you know... They don't want to help change you... Change transmission. No, change daughter. transmission. They don't want to help you move. So they're doing it out of kindness. They, they don't want oh, to... Oh, moving's the best, right? Yeah, yeah. Have you ever had this, like... And I, first of all, number one, guilty. Hey, can you all come over and help me move this thing? Everybody gets there and nothing's ready to go. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. But you gotta love the guy that you show up and he's got like five pair of work gloves. He's got the ratchet straps off. The crate is pulled apart. He's ready to lift this thing off the tailgate of the truck and all he's ready to do is just slide the gloves on your hands and say, "Are we ready, guys?" <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So that's it. That's it right there. So yeah. So when we're talking about the, or, you know the. You know why? You know, trying to figure out why those those th why we're so impatient. I, I to your question about whether or not we're born with it. I think some people obviously have a disposition for for being patient. Um, sometimes maybe to a fault. You know, where they're just like nothing really seems to move them or matter. But I think for most people, there's a you know uh, a delicate balance between impatience and, and patience, right? Right. And 
you know, I know people personally in my life that are that are extraordinarily patient, um, and I also know people that are extraordinarily impatient. I'm one of those people. So any amount of like any amount of display of patience on my part is is through sheer force and work, you know, on my own part to like stay focused. Right. You're, th- and this is coming from a guy who has an amazing beard. Hey, thank you. Yes. Yes. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. I mean, is there any yeah. anything that's more telling of diligence and patience and sure. hard work than a beard? Especially in the uh, especially in that the, is the hideous space. It's. <laughs> I mean, seriously. <laughs> I, I worry, when I was growing, you know, you go through the ugly phases of your beard and you're sure. like, ah, I'm going to shave it off. It's just terrible. Uh, right? And then yeah. once you've grown it's it for itchy. a while, it's itchy. Yeah. Yeah. So you're right. I guess that there's, there's that. <laughs> there's also the part of me that has to see something through. Like once I've invested a certain amount of time, effort, and energy in it, I've, I've decided that I must at all costs see this through. Yeah. And, and I think too that... This speaks to another component of the of the long haul that we don't address uh, outwardly, and that is it's okay to be selfish about these things. What do you mean by that? Well, I think that I think that oftentimes we find ourselves like caught between uh, you know a rock and a hard place when it comes to do fulfilling our own needs and our own wants, right? Because we're taught like societally that we are to be in the service of others, mm-hmm. and and I and my son, my eldest son, struggles with this this concept a lot too. And I and I, I love to think about it in terms of this this metaphor. So if if you're when you board an airplane and you travel a lot, so you know you've gone right. through this rigmarole, what's the first thing you have to do when the oxygen mask drops in in a crisis? Help the little ones. No, wrong. You put it on yourself first. <laughs> you're such an idiot. <laughs> Everyone's dead because of you. So, so by the way, I've never once paid attention to that. <laughs> You've just killed everybody. Unbelievable. You put the oxygen mask on yourself first because if you can't save yourself, you can't save others, right? And, and so that is a very selfish endeavor. But by that same token, if you want to live a life in service of others, then you have to take care of your needs first. Now, that's a little bit, that's, you know, moving a little bit further away than what I wanted to, to discuss. But I think that, I think that the, the idea that you have a desire to do something, you have a focus and you have a goal and an aim, all the things that we've talked about in, in our prior podcast, I think is not only healthy, um, but I think it's, I think it's totally acceptable. And I think you should embrace that about yourself. I think you should you should say, yes, this is something that I want and I'm willing to work for it. Um, and, and that helps provide that focus and I think it also lends itself to more patience. Yeah. You know, in that journey. Because you're going to, you're, it's not, you're, I don't, can't think of a single thing that you're going to want to work at that you're not going to run into obstacles and feel like I could maybe do something else, right? Or not want to do this anymore. Well, it's funny you're bringing all that up. <clears throat> I uh, recently... I was working through some uh, stuff as a dad with my son, and I don't think he'd mind me talking about this, but, you know, we we work on his moral character. And one of the ways that we've identified that is a good guide for this is Benjamin Franklin worked out in his life what he called his 13 virtues. It was originally uh, 12, but became 13 um, once he was called on the carpet for for a, a lacking portion of it. But one of those virtues that he lived by was called the virtue of resolution. And I'll read it here. It was the resolve to perform what you ought to perform, but also perform without fail what you resolved. And I think that's what you were getting at. Yeah. You know, 
once you've made up your mind to do it, there's a, there's a virtue there in accomplishing that. Yeah. And it, you know, it, it might come across as selfish for someone on looking, uh, but when you accomplish that, you don't know if the, the fruit of that labor is helping other people in the process. Maybe they're inspired by your success and what you've just accomplished, which inspires them. But you know, I, there's a way to look at selfishness in a negative light, but there's also a way to look at it in a positive light, like you're saying. And the, the metaphor of the plane is a great example, even though I haven't paid attention to that. Apparently. <laughs> and, and, it's, and it is sort of a negative, you know, I mean, because you're all going to die. You're going to die anyways. Right, that's true. That's true. That's true. So no, I think that's a, I think it's a really yeah, and I think it's a really keen perspective on on that, and and it, I think it's you've touched on something else that's important, and that is, you do uh, I, I think in a lot of ways when you're when especially for guys like you and I, and and you know to our listeners is something that Jeff and I f- have always felt really strongly about uh, even before we started this podcast is that, and I think we did touch on it before, but we're just average dudes like there's right. nothing. Like we don't have any particular like um, attributes that that put us above anybody else on the planet. So in other words, when we say s- stupid shit like "if we can do it, you can do it," we actually mean it. Um, and uh, and so you you don't really when you can show others that that these things are possible, and just by doing it, and by sticking to it, you do inspire others to think that they can do it for themselves too. Yeah. And I think more importantly is that I don't ever want somebody to do something because I do it. I want them to do it because that's what they want to do. I, if I provide a guidance or if I provide, you know, a template for how to get that gets done, great. I mean, terrific. Right. But I think more more to the point is is understanding that I, I, I would much rather my students, for instance, or people that I work with look at me and say, if that idiot can do it, I can do that. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, you can. <laughs> <laughs> Great point. You know, you really can. So, uh, so you because know, because it's a it's a fool that achieves something and looks down on others from their success, right? You know, to to say and and you know, I posted something this week on our uh, Facebook page talking about something to the effect that you know we all started at the same spot. Yeah. And the best thing you can do is to have empathy for mistakes that people are making. Teach them to laugh at themselves, but learn to laugh at it yourself first. Sure. You know, and then teach them to teach others how to do the same thing. Right. Because, you know, from from a lofty position, if you achieve a success and then you you wield that as power over people, it's a very foolish thing. Right. It's it's a much better position. What we're saying, I, I would hope, for us to say, I I'm the the chief of those mistakes. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I'm the guy that they would say, okay, reach over with your left hand and you know reach the underhook, and I use my right hand. Right. And, and they're going, <laughs> no, your other left. And and I have that stupid look on my face, like yeah, you know, I knew that, but my body wasn't listening. Right. Exactly. You know? Exactly. Yeah, I, I, and and also keep in mind, guys, that like you know anybody that behaves that way, um, you know you, you're going to do that to you know to the Knicks of the world that we just talked about, and when they get to that point in their career, they're going to come <laughs> after you. <laughs> you're in trouble. <laughs> yeah, they're going to get you. So I I, I think this um, this leads us in, into this uh, this direction of 
you know, the question, the, like, again, I go back to the question of like, why, you know, why are we so impatient? What are we hoping will happen? Um, and I, and I do, I do appreciate that there's, there is a, um, there's an attraction to instant gratification. But my but my feeling is is that first of all, instant gratification is overrated. And I think it works to the detriment of your success on the long term. And what I'm curious about is your perspective on you know on that theory. And then also, you know, can we talk about like what's good about instant gratification? Like why it's like why we do go after it, but why maybe we should take a step back from that and start looking at the bigger picture. Yeah, one example I can use, and to take this off the mats, I've seen this at work. Oh, yeah, I mean, this is... I've, I've seen this, um, you know, at school or... When somebody gets that promotion too soon or, you know, it was that instant gratification... I mean, I think in the military, it's seen sometimes too when somebody is put as the leader and they're allowed to, to fail. It's like, you know, you have enough rope to hang themselves kind sure. of thing. And then they'll switch the leader, you know, and it happens very abruptly once somebody realizes that, um, you know, that person wasn't ready to lead. Right. And, um, you know, it's, it's an embarrassing thing. I don't think I would want to be put in a position, and, and we've found this even teaching on the mats, you know, where there's times you you question whether or not you're able or you're qualified to be doing this. Sure. And you need somebody who's outside of that to say, "No, you're good. You're 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 where you should be." And um that's always good is to have that validation. But, you know, to seek instant gratification and want to be a leader, you know, when it's not your place or time, I mean, it's kind of like you're setting yourself up for embarrassment and disappointment. Right. right. Yeah. Failure. It's the long fall. The long fall. So then this the next the episode. <laughs> the long fall. The long haul to the long fall. Yeah. So, and I think too, like to, in order to paint some, um, some kind of picture what I'm talking about when I talk about instant gratification, I don't mean, I don't mean to say that somebody, you know, walks into a new, you know, a new job or walks into the mat for the first time and expects to, to be promoted in six months. But they do start to feel that way after a year. Yeah. And you're still just at the very beginning. Mm-hmm. Right? So if you are, if you're, and I remember this too early in my career as a designer, you know, what I wanted to be was an art director. You know, that was logically in my, in my field, it was designer, senior designer, art director. And then you're in charge, you're responsible for other people. Right? And I really wanted that. That job, and I kept asking for it and asking for it and asking for it, and they would say, nope, not yet, not yet. I mean, it took, you know, it took, I don't know, I want to say like seven years of working before that was possible. And it was just a matter of like, and I would feel so like deflated, but I also appreciate in retrospect that had I been promoted to art director early on, I totally would have fucked it up. Like, yeah. it, and, and maybe that would have done more damage for myself you know, just in, just in terms of feeling like I, I wasn't capable or, you know, so I, so I appreciate good leadership is always. Well, know, and that's what I was just thinking too, you know, you have to trust your leadership right. that you don't always know what they're looking for because you're not quite there yet. Right. And that's what they're seeing. You know, if you don't know what you don't know, then you're not ready to lead people yet. And, um, you know, that's, that's probably 
the hardest thing to do is to trust the leadership or the authority that's there above you that's going like, hey, I, I understand. You well, will get there. I think that's a, it's an interesting point and it's something that we can speak to um, personally. Now, now, for me specifically, I run my own business, so I am leadership. You are the leadership. Yeah, I am leadership. So that, but but in terms of our, our academy and our gym, and, and and again, going directly using using Brazilian Jiu Jitsu as a reference, you know, it's really important for for people to to embrace and um, ex- accept leadership's role in the gym, even if you don't agree necessarily with the with the the instructor right i mean you're not always going to hit it off with your instructors like we're fortunate because we have a whole we have a whole slew of instructors to to pick and choose from that you can work with on a regular basis but but i think it's important to understand that each instructor brings a perspective that you don't have right and understanding and most importantly is that they've already been through the long haul right right they've already done it the reason they're wearing that black belt is because they already did the work great point you know and so that should say something to you about, you know, what they, it, it automatically, you should, you should, you don't have to, you don't have to respect the person specifically if you don't know them, right? I'm not suggesting that everybody gives automatic respect. That's earned, but you should respect the, the rank that they're wearing because it's an indication of how much time, effort, and energy they've put into that, into that process. And this is why in our, in our martial arts specifically, guys, we really detest fake <laughs> black belts or fake Belts of any kind, you know, but, and, uh, but you know, it's also, it's also true too that, and this is just the way it's going to be. If you go to another school, you'll be tested to your belt level. Right. No one's just going to take your word for it. And we've seen, we've seen belts come through that, you yeah. know, we, we know for a fact yeah. that they weren't earned. Right. And that's a really hard thing. And by the way, those people knew it too. And that's the hardest and part so this goes, they don't they don't want to have to deal with that everywhere they go. Right. And I think that's, you know, and so it's an interesting intersection that you've just brought in because we were just talking about instant gratification. You know that person felt like I have enough experience under my belt that I could fake this, right? Yeah. And then and then hopefully they will be able to stay in that realm. And, and I think a lot of people can, can uh, attest this to work and or their environments outside of the gym. And... Uh, where people are like, if I just keep my head low enough, long enough, then I'll eventually gain that experience, and then everyone will be like, oh yeah, he's been an expert in this for years, even though you were a total fraud yeah. up front. And, um, you know, but I think that, it's, that is, it is extraordinarily damaging, and you've now limited yourself to the, to the actual possibilities of your own potential, right? Because right. You, you've, you've, you've capped yourself off from learning, and we talked about this again in the last podcast, um, and, uh, and it also brings up a very, very, very important issue that comes up a lot with not only the, the people in my work environment, but, but more importantly, the students in my, uh, class. And that is feeling the feeling of being a fraud. And I think that if you, my friend think that you're a fraud, you're on the right path. <laughs> if you're the one that says, I feel like a fraud, guess what guys? So does everybody else that's legitimately doing this, right? Yeah, that's true. It's, it's the truth. We don't, none of us, none of us feel like we're doing it right. We have days that we feel that way. Well, you always but, say, uh, you know, no one knows what they're doing. 
Oh yeah. Um, we're all making it up as we go along. Oh yeah. I have a, I have a mentor that, uh, by the name of James Victory that told me that once and it resonated with me and stuck with me ever since. And that is nobody know. this is a secret to life guys. We're giving it to you right now on this podcast. So if you've made it this far into it, get out your, you pens, get out your pens and pencils and I'm, I'm being dead serious. Listen to this, write this down and repeat this to yourselves every time you feel like things are going wrong. And that is nobody knows what they're doing. Nobody. We're all just making it up as we go along. It's the truth. We just like to pretend that we're not. But the, but the truth is, is we, we don't know. We have no idea what's going to happen next. Right. Right? And this, this does speak to, to staying, staying the course and pushing things forward for the long haul. Because we want to find out what's going to happen. We can only speak to the experiences that we've had individually, right? We can't, but we can't predict the future. We can make educated guesses. Sure. Right? But we have no idea what we're doing. Right. None of us. We're all a bunch of idiots. <laughs> Chief among them. It's me, not you. No, no, no. It's Except me. for, no, you're dead because Easy, you forgot to put the mask on. Pump the brakes there, sir. You forgot to put the mask on. You're already dead. <laughs> you're completely irrelevant. I, I am responsible for the entire plane. Though. Yeah, it's gone. Like, And it's all your fault. So once again, this is your captain, Jeff Galino, speaking. <laughs> In my oxygenated cabin where I don't have to wear a mask because I'm safe up here. But, but at least my kid got his mask. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, son of a bitch. So I got to, you know, so, so I, think it's, I think it's really important to, to note those things. Um, and it, I'm sure these are things that we're going to repeat on, on a reoccurring basis, much like the way that we teach our, our students. But one thing that uh, we talked about in the very beginning of the podcast, and it was speaking a lot to the, to the late bloomer, right? The person who started late in their career and, and uh, you know, whether it's a new job um, or, you know, you're just starting in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu and you're in your 40s or your 50s and you're, you're like, I don't know, am I ever going to make it? Um, and you're looking at an average of 10 to 15 years until that black belt arrives. And the first thing I want to say is that you, whatever time it is that you come in or you start a new adventure, it is the right time. You are ready to rock and roll and, um, and you did it right. And you've got plenty of time. You do. You yeah. just have plenty of time for this. And, uh, and I think too that a lot of those people that start in the, like the later years, they come and attack these problems with a maturity and a perspective that you wouldn't have had 20 years ago. Yeah. And I think that that's very, very valuable. It's valuable. Uh, it's valuable in the mat. You know, it's valuable. I had, uh, I've had friends that went back to school to do things to work in a creative field and I go to their student portfolio shows. Right. And they're all with a bunch of really young people who do terrific work, but there's just something much more sophisticated, much more grounded in reality, much more like, um, uh, I don't know. I don't know what to say except for there's just much more mature about their work. Because right. they have a, they have perspective. Well, again, it's that it's at that crossroad. You know, we've we've used the example of a student who was a former acrobat. Yeah. Who came with a maturity physically. Right. Um, that he brought to the table, and and the example you're using is someone who comes with a mental maturity. Sure. Uh, you know, and their physical maturity needs to to meet, and and that may happen quicker later in life too. You know, it's, sure. Um. I've seen where some of the older students have a very practical way of looking at their game. Right. Um, the way of looking at life, the way of looking at sales, um, that there's not a lot of time to waste. 
Yeah. You know, hey, awesome. I'm glad we're learning 3,000 different moves today. <laughs> but can you give me one that works? Yeah. Sure. You know, and that's that's a mental maturity, you know, in, in sales. So, you know, my, my career has been in sales. And there's the long way to do it. And, you know, I, I think one of the epiphanies I had along the way in sales was, are you talking to the right person? You know, right. who's the decision maker? Right. You could spend days, months, years selling to somebody that has no ability to purchase. Right. Right. Or to make a decision. And then to find out that, you know, hey, I just should have looked for the decision maker. <laughs> and they would yeah. have said yes like a year ago. ago. Right. Exactly. And so they have this perspective that they bring maturity in the mental space to the mat where there's not a whole lot of time to waste. Yeah. Um, one thing I wanted to touch on and, and to this end, how do we define success, right? So, um, you know, the long haul speaks to the, the tune of having an end goal. And we talked about setting goals and sometimes the goals become the, the object of desire in and of itself and we forget about the journey. Sure. And, um, you know, so maybe you can talk about that a little bit. How do you define yeah, success? Yeah, yeah, the first thing I would say is fuck your success. I, I don't actually care. <laughs> it, I, well, it, I mean, it, yeah. depending on how they define it, right? I mean, if, if it is... I, I don't even, I could argue that I don't even care how they define it. I, I, what I want, what I, in my opinion, from my perspective, like you, by taking the steps towards doing the things that you want to do and knowing, learning more about yourself, you're already succeeding. You're succeeding where everybody else seems to just feel like it's somebody else's fault or somebody else's responsibility or it's circumstantial and you can't get out of it. But one step starts a revolution, right? One step forward, and we talked about this again, we, and we'll probably repeat this over and over again. Every time you move that ball forward, every time you take one step towards doing the things that you want to do, you are succeeding. You're in the process of succeeding. What is ultimate success? I'd like to think. I'd like to think that when I die, people are like, hey, that Jeff Beck, he was a nice guy. You know, <laughs> that's what I want. That, I mean, I think, or my kids remember me as being, you know, jovial and happy and loving. And, uh, and I think that those things are really what define So a legacy. A legacy. A legacy is really, really big with me. I, and I think yeah. that's, that was brilliant. I'm glad you brought that up. Well, it's funny. There's a guy um, that I consider a mentor. And this was early on in my career in medical sales. Uh, the guy's name's Jeff Smolar. Okay. And he always had this way of being successful that he was successful in a lot of different areas in business, right? Okay. So, uh, and his, his motto was, is, you know, just move everything forward, you know, one step today. Okay. So he would have a pile of papers here and a pile of papers there. And he would have in this pile of papers things that need to be done, and he would move those all one step forward, maybe two if he could. Sure. But then he'd move them over to the other pile. And then the next day he would start on this pile, move all those over to the other pile. And, you know, it was his, it was very methodical. Um, but if you look at his career, there was a legacy of success. Okay, right. It was always moving things one step forward. Right. Um, and never quitting, right? Never, you never gave up on it. You just kept doing it. Yeah, so you see more of a, a track record of success instead of like, I think that's part of it too. You know, when we talk on the mats, uh, you know, what, what is the success? Did you get the tap? Yeah, did you? Yeah. Oh, hey, I tapped somebody today. Awesome. But 
and are that's you cool. doing that? It is cool. Yeah, yeah. Don't get us wrong. It's cool. We're, we're happy for you. But are you doing that consistently? Are you dominating the match consistently? And that's what we're looking for as instructors. You want to know what, what causes us to say this person's ready for a promotion or a strike. It's that we're seeing a pattern of success at the level they're working at. Right. And, um, you know, as that, as that plays out, you have somebody who, let's say they just started jujitsu, and they go to a tournament, they win the whole entire tournament, then they come back to the school, and they get tapped by everybody else at the school. Right. All the time. Right. Well, that's like a meteoric rise. That is a, a flash in the pan. Right. It was your day. It's not a legacy of success. Exactly. Exactly. And, I, and that is... That, that is, was your day. Yeah. Great, great yeah. point. You yeah. had an awesome day. You had an awesome day. And good for you. Like, we're, we're happy about that. And right? no one's going to begrudge you that. No, no. Not at all. I don't, I don't want to wish... I wish not to say that. But, but I also want to point out that, like, for this, in order for this to be effective, right? In order for us... And in, in, in everything that we do, in order for us to actually affect change in our own lives and the lives of others, is that that means the next day you have to get back on the mat and do it again. And back on the mat and do it again. So every time that you win, you know, you, you appreciate that. Like, that's cool and good for you. But you're still like, there's, yeah. and then you, but, but you, as all of us know, who are in, in life, in the stream of life, is that you tend to lose more than you win, right? You fail. And, and this is where it puts that, that idea of try, fail, try again, you know, into context is that it's easy to say those things, but when you fail, you feel like shit. And yeah. then you tend to like, if you allow that, if you allow that to, to, to override your thinking, you fall into, into despair and it's a downward spiral. So give your failures, not another thought. It just is part of the process of succeeding. A legacy of success is about failing and just forgetting about it. Move, move on. And I know that you're supposed to learn from your mistakes, but I gotta be honest, man, I've made the same mistakes a dozen times before I was like, maybe I shouldn't do that. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, yeah. I mean, some of them I learned right away. Others, it takes, it takes time for it to like sink in. It doesn't actually matter, you know, as long as you are continuing to move forward. And, uh, and I think that that's, I think that that's really, really where it comes down to. And let me ask you this question, you know, in terms of being like at the whatever end. So if you're either, if you're older or you're getting, you're starting the process young or whatever, and you're looking, if, if I told you, right, that in 10 years, and it doesn't matter what you're doing, whether it's, whether it's jujitsu or you're starting your own business or you're, you know, you're trying to work your way up in the corporate ladder or you're investing in a relationship that you have, right, with your kids or your wife or potential husband, whatever, let me ask you this. If I say where you are right now in life, no matter how old you are, if I tell you that in 10 years time, if you stay focused and stay the course, you will be a success, would you be like, nah, I don't, I don't want to do that? <laughs> no, you wouldn't. No. You'd be like, awesome. You know, yeah. like it's, it, when you put it in that, like, when you put it to that perspective, all of a sudden it seems reasonable, you know? If I, but if I start back here and I go 10 years from now or 12 years from now, you know, if you work really hard, you'll get your black belt in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. You're like, oh man, it takes forever, right? If I don't, in other words, if I don't give you the success, if I don't give you the, there was air quotes in that one, guys, you missed it. If I don't give you the goal, right, but I just say that you will succeed, you know, in that you will be a success. Yeah. You will now, you've now realized that you've laid a legacy of success over a decade, which you can always refer to. Sure. As you continue for the next decade and the next decade and the next decade, stop putting your, stop putting your, your successes in like one, 
year time slots or two week time slots. I can't tell you how many times I hear people say, like in two weeks I'm gonna yeah. you know, I'm gonna turn this around. You're like, No, you won't. <laughs> well, you know, I think part of it too is and, and you know, we're gonna come up short on time. Uh, you know, I'm ha- I'm happy to carry this forward, but the the concept around um Pursuing something worth pursuing, yeah. right? So choosing something worth the pursuit. You know, you might say that achieving a black belt is worth the pursuit. True. To you and I. To you and I, right. To you and I. At the time when I set that goal, um, you know, I was in a place where I was looking to become more physically fit. And, you know, right. this this path, this journey was something that was very appealing to me. And, you know, over the years, it has not been the same end goal. where right. that, that end goal ha- didn't have the same worthwhileness to me right but because i was resolute to do that thing i'm going to stay the course right um in other cases you know someone might look at a, a black belt in jiu-jitsu and say it's not worth the pursuit for me i, I don't find value in that right and, and and that's legit and that's part of the process too yeah if it's not worth the pursuit for you maybe there's something else that is yeah stop doing and, it <laughs> we're not saying to keep going just because we put value in it. You have to value it too. That's right. And I, and I think that that's, that is really, really well said. It's not forever. Not everything is, you know, for everybody. It's just, but I, and you should be confident. I want you to feel confident enough in your own self to say what, what it is that moves you. Right. You know, and then pursue that, you know, yes. and you're going to find things in that that don't work for you and don't give it another thought. It's going to result in failure or whatever, or if it starts to make you feel bad, it's time to move on. Right? Well, here's a great point to think about, and you know maybe this is something we can close on here, is that if you, if you make the thing which you're pursuing um, the goal at the end, and it's not worthwhile to you to pursue that, mm-hmm. then your hard work towards it at the end is only going to lead to guilt and shame. Right. Right? right. You're, you're, you're going to work and work and work, and you're going to start to resent this thing that you're chasing. Right. Right. So at the end, if you don't achieve it because you lose enthusiasm for it or excitement for it, you, it's just going to come back as guilt that you're not following through on something. So, sure. I mean, there's, there's a certain weightiness to looking at what our end pursuit is. Yeah. And placing that thing, you know, almost looking at it in a, in a sacred way to say, this pursuit is going to be something that... I am going to put my everything into. Let me be real sure that this is where the direction I'm heading. Yeah, and it's okay to change directions mid midway. It is. If you realize that you no longer felt the passion for this thing. Yeah. Now, by the way, I don't think you should just drop it because the passion is no longer there. Sometimes you the pursuit re- is still yeah. worth sure, it. Sure, of course, of course. Um, but you can gauge it along the way. Maybe, maybe the thing that you chased never really was what you thought it was right and but what we're just saying here and i think it's a good way to, to end the, the episode guys is that in terms of patience and building a you know a legacy of success i think what we've just identified is that is we just talked about the pursuit you start off on one path with a with a with a passion for something you learn a lot in that process and things change right and you might go in a different direction but if you keep moving forward Right, you get to collect and keep all those things that you've learned with you. Right, right. so you, to you, to you, start making these. And, and again, it's not about that end goal, but it started off as one thing, and it's okay to keep moving and keep navigating those waters as long as you're doing the things that that make you feel fulfilled and make you you. And 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 be patient because it takes time. 
It yeah. takes time. There's not a single thing on this planet um, worth worth doing that doesn't take time and effort and effort. Yeah, you know. So let me end with this, Jeff. Sure. Um, talking about evaluating what's worthwhile to pursue, I'm going to go ahead and settle this here now. Sure. Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu is the most complete, most effective <laughs> martial art. Absolutely. So if you've chosen another one, you can, let you're me just wrong. help you out here. You're wrong. Stop the pursuit. Yeah. Reorganize. That's right. Figure out the new goal, which is Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. And go to Harrisburg Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. And start Jiu-Jitsu working on it now. <laughs> and start going now. Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu is it. So, All right, guys. Until next time, you know we're, uh, this is your stewardess, Jeff Beck. And your captain, Jeff Galino. (laughs) Signing off, guys. See you. Have a good week.